0: This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're previewing the 55th annual Head of the Charles Regatta, plus the field hockey and men's soccer teams won again, and the tennis teams finished their fall season on a high note. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my birthday, my birthday. After a tough loss Saturday at Wesleyan, the women's soccer team bounced back with a 3-1 home victory over UMaine Farmington on Sunday. Sarah DePillo, Riley Turcott, and Elizabeth Patrick all scored in the win. And the men's soccer team is ranked fourth in New England after a 1-0 shutout of Wesleyan on Saturday. And the Bobcats are receiving votes in the United Soccer Coaches National Poll with an overall record of 8-2-1 entering this week's action. Sophomore midfielder Owen Kelleher scored the game winner on Saturday, propelling Bates to its best start since 2004. And the transfer from Knox College is our male Bobcat of the week.
1: Yeah, I first came into Coach Shake um, my senior year of high school when he was still at Knox. And at the time, that was the best option for me. Um, and shortly before I shut up for my for my freshman season, he, I learned that he... Was coming to Bates, and it was a funny coincidence because my sister goes to school here as well, actually. Um, so it was kind of, kind of in the back of my mind throughout my first year that hey, if this doesn't work out, um, being able to go to a great school in Maine would be, it would be a great second option. Um, and so yeah, luckily I was, I was able to get in, um, and yeah, you know, I'm just having, a, having a great time here so far. Um, it's been great, reconnecting with, with Coach Shake. Um, it's, yeah, a great coach, love playing for him.
0: What's that process like to execute a transfer uh, for people who don't know in terms of, like, on your end, what you had to do to show Bates that you were, you know, wanting to come to the school, you know, from another college?
1: It's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> work you hope not to have to do after you graduate Already. from high school. Right. Um, but also extremely worth it once you do get in and enjoy yourself much more at the new, new school, um, I did definitely have some, some help from outside. My high school assistant soccer coach, who was also my college advisor, mm. went to school here, played on the soccer team, worked in the admissions office. So same for my Kaipos teacher in high school. So I had a few, quite a few people helping me, uh, my sister coach, so it was it was a it was a process, but the second I stepped on campus, it was great to be here, and I really haven't thought about the hours of work I put into my essay and, and whatnot.
0: Excellent. So um, you obviously got a lot of playing time right away here uh, in the midfield, and you have probably had a little bit more um, responsibilities than maybe you thought with Peter Bach being out for so long with the injury. So what's happened, like, because um, he's a captain, and you're 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 basically at his position at this point.
1: Definitely, it's crazy to think. Because coming into the program, it was Peter and was the big name, mm-hmm. um, carry the team heavily, and to think that we're doing what we've been doing and being so successful without one of our best players um, is exciting. For when he for when he does come back, definitely. For me, I think you know he's always on the sidelines during practice, putting his arm around me, you know, giving me tips. So I think he's definitely still extremely present. Just not on the field with us, um, and for me, it just just means stepping up a little bit more. Um, same with Freddie, Alec, a bunch of other players in the midfield that have you know not missed a beat and have stepped into that role of of you know missing a missing a captain out on the field. I think as a team, we've done an incredibly good job of just rolling with the punches.
0: Great. Take us through your goal against uh, the Wesleyan Cardinals there.
1: They had a free kick at the top of our box defensively. Um, I stepped in, step in the way of it, bounced off my foot, and cleared the box. Went up to Alec, who headed forward to Kieran, and then he found me sprinting down the field. Um, I got a got a good first touch, past the defender, and then. Went for went for the cheeky finish. It was high risk, high reward, um, but luckily it paid off. And then, and then the feeling, the feeling in the corner, the whole the whole bench stormed. You can't really see it in the video, but the whole bench stormed down. I'm pretty sure some of the coaches were in there. So it was it was a great great feeling to finally get that goal.
0: I've talked to some other guys about this, but it just seems like this year's team has so much confidence in everyone's
1: ability to beat anybody. It seems like
0: it's that way. you see?
1: Definitely. I think having so many new guys. The roof is so high for us. Um, we have so much potential. That I think everyone's clearly bought into the program, um, from the seniors who have been been through the battles and want to go out on a high note, to the freshmen who want to want to make history and be be the first players to you know make put put Bates on the national stage. Um, I think every every win kind of is just a train. We got to keep it going, um, and the positivity and the talent and the motivation and the coaches and and everything is there um, all the way down to. You know, support from outside. I was just texting my grandpa too. You, you know, just lots of lots of positive people in in this mm-hmm. program. I think we have a lot of potential.
0: Um, in terms of the, the upcoming schedule, you have a game. Well, we're talking on Tuesday, so tonight you have a game on Garcelon, non-conference game. And then you have some some big ones coming up, the likes of you know Amherst and Williams. I think first before them up ahead. What are your thoughts on the next few opponents here to close out the regular season before you know playoff time?
1: Definitely. Well, first of all, it's exciting to know that no matter what happens we will be in the playoffs so Mm. we've at least given ourselves a chance yeah um but i think in everyone's mind at least two if not three of those last conference games are out there for the taking knowing that if we clear out our Mm -hmm. schedule if we clear out our schedule we'll definitely be in the national tournament Mm. um looking at the top top two top three finish in the NESCAC um but definitely knowing that we have to get the job done we can't we're our goals are incredibly high, so we we aren't we aren't settling at all.
0: And then last year I know Colby is the eighth seed ended up winning the Nescaq tournament, so but you were yeah. talking about the possibility of an at large seed even if the team doesn't win the conference tournament if you have a good enough record,
1: right? Definitely. And yeah. I think that's huge, especially in such a powerful conference, the mm-hmm. NESCAC. you know, in a tournament like that, anything can happen. You could play toughs tough and say you manage managed to beat them and go against the number two countries. Like there are just so many good teams within within the tournament that if you could, if you could manage to get in that large bid, it'll be it'll be huge.
0: And then, as a, have you always been a midfielder w- since you've been playing soccer? Or?
1: Mostly, I've definitely bounced around a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but I think midfield is definitely where I feel the most comfortable. Because
0: you touched on the goal you scored, I mean, you had to do something on defense first, mm-hmm. and then go coast to coast with no break. <laughs> right?
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Coach Shyke's been uh, been forcing me to make some more runs for it, and I like to I like to sit in and collect the ball, but He's been he's been saying going, you got to get up got to get up so he was definitely right right on that one yeah yeah
0: because I've seen you play like it, it you definitely at least earlier in the year with more of a distributor type thing you were looking to you know get the ball up ahead for some of the forwards but he wants to be a little bit more aggressive on the attack perhaps mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Yes, definitely yeah I think again just shows we have so many so many good players in different parts of the field that. Our attack can come from really anywhere. A
0: little bit about your background. How do you start like playing soccer? You know, seriously. I know a lot of kids in America play soccer, when they're you know, yeah, but when when did it get serious for you?
1: Um, I think probably five or six. I made kind of the the selection team, the travel team, um, and that started. Just my dad had played soccer growing up, so. Kind of, kind of like a lot of kids, it was just try it out, but I I loved it since I was little. And then when I was eight, I actually moved to the Netherlands for eight years, so I played a ton of soccer there, and I think... For how many years? For eight years. For eight years, you were in the Netherlands. Yes, sir. Tell us about that
0: experience. <laughs>
1: it was great. It was my parents kind of wanted to give me and my siblings um, a bit of a different culture, um, learn a different language, and so we went over there with the plan of staying for a year. and. Just years went by, years went by, and before we knew, it, we'd been there for eight, and it was yeah, it was great. We biked everywhere, um, and just the amount of soccer I played with buddies and club teams and everything. Yeah, I think I get I get some some nice compliments now. Oh, I can I can see that you're a European footballer more more than an American, but I'm not sure how true that is. But well, because soccer is huge there, right? It was just definitely fun to experience that, just the passion for the sport, and I think that definitely rubbed off on me quite a bit.
0: So did you end up following like you know? Become a fan of like European teams, kind of in that process, or mm-hmm,
1: definitely the during during the time that I was there, the Netherlands had two really good World Cup wins, right. and so it was super exciting to watch that, see them see them win throughout throughout the World Cup, and then just go out and everyone was celebrating on the streets, and yeah, definitely.
0: Because Pater was talking about how he played overseas um, last this past offseason. He said the style there is just so different. Have you noticed that also?
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, I'd say it's prettier soccer, um, especially in NSCAC. It's a lot more athleticism that is prioritized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Coach Schaik also wants to have a bit more of the European prettier, prettier soccer and move away from just big... Big athletic, <laughs> athletic players. But you have those as well, though. I mean, certainly on this team, you have a good mix. It seems like definitely, yeah. No, we have a great mix. And then I know Jacoby.
0: Whoa, whoa. He's he's from overseas as well, Great Britain, England. So what's that like to have another guy who's been in, who's played in Europe like you have?
1: It's good. He he's he's he knows so much about the sport. Yeah. Um, the amount of times he pulls me over and explains something to me that I hadn't really thought about. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's great to have a kid like that on the team that just sees the sport in a whole different level.
0: Great. What are your thoughts on the season so far for the team and how it's gone?
1: It's been exciting. Um, last year, Knox College made it to the NCAA tournament. So for me, I would love to go back. And I think it's it's pretty crazy. I was talking to Coach during our ID camp on Sunday, and. Just both of us kind of made the realization that this is a team that could, in fact, win a national championship, whether it's this year or next year or my senior year. Um, it's just exciting to be a part of a program where that's something. You know, every every team talks about that, but to be on a team where everyone knows that it's a legitimate possibility is, is a pretty exciting thing. And so I think, especially as, as our talent gets better and we continue to grow as a team, um, we have so many new guys playing that I think, there really is just an extremely, extremely high ceiling for us that we that I think we're all wanting to go touch. Sounds good. Everyone's
0: very excited out, out, around campus, and uh, crowd support's been great this year. It seems like, and excited for the rest of the year. Owen Kelleher, our male Bobcat of the week. Thanks so much.
1: Terrific. Thank you.
0: The number 15 nationally ranked Bates field hockey team is off to its best start since 1999 after a 2-1 victory over Wesleyan on Saturday. Bates is 7-3 and three overall on the season, and senior forward Ali Leahy is back after missing more than a year due to injury. She scored her first goal since September 2017 last week, and she is our female Bobcat of the week.
2: Yeah, it's been awesome. It was a long recovery, but definitely had great support from my teammates and coaches, which helped me get here and my family. So,
0: What was the biggest key in recovery? Like, What were you doing to get back there as quickly as you could?
2: Um, just listening to what my trainers and what my physical therapists are saying and doing as much as I can. Last
0: year not being able to play, was that frustrating? What was that experience like? I mean, I assume you were watching all the games and
2: everything. Yeah, it was definitely frustrating, but it was nice that I still had a role on the team to be there encouraging everyone and helping them through the season as well. So.
0: Take us through your goal there against Wesleyan.
2: I think it was Vic from the midfield passed it up from far out of the circle, and I was able to just tip it in.
0: Seems like a lot of field hockey goals, it's all about being in the right place at the right time with the stick. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then what's, what's made this year's team so good in your opinion? I mean, the team is really seems like clicking on all cylinders.
2: Yeah, we did a lot of work in the offseason on that. We read a few books as a team as well that I think helped us a lot just with team vibes and everything that I think – really helps and transfers onto the field as well
0: so as a senior now um you know how have you seen your field hockey game grow you know yeah so you played a lot you know your first two seasons and everything
2: well I think definitely a piece is like confidence on the field as well knowing how and knowing your teammates knowing how each person plays in the midfield passing it up where you think it will go and knowing a lot more now
0: Can you kind of anticipate what some of your teammates you've played with for quite a bit are going to do, sort of?
2: Yeah, definitely. That's one thing we're working on, too, is knowing when someone's going to hit a big ball in or when someone's going to pass it into the pocket and different things like that.
0: A little bit about your background, maybe, you know, growing up. When did you start playing field hockey? What was that process like getting into the sport?
2: Um, I started playing field hockey when I was in sixth grade, I think, and all my cousins have played, and I've just watched and grown up loving the sport.
0: And what made you decide you wanted to come to Bates?
2: Um, I met Danny a while ago in my high school career and really liked her. And when I visited, I loved the community and everyone was so nice and willing to help and just being there for each other. So,
0: Was there a point in high school where you were thinking, oh, I can play in college probably?
2: Um, I think so when I joined a club team and had my coach encouraging us to get recruited and everything and coming to different events at different colleges. Helped, yeah.
0: Excellent so academically as a senior what have you been studying what are you majoring in?
2: I'm an art history major planning on going to grad school for architecture.
0: Oh nice so have you always wanted to be an architect?
2: I've always been interested in kind of graphic design architecture drawings like that so yes.
0: What's that process like looking at grad schools at this point?
2: Um, it's kind of intense and stressful but mm. I think I might take a little bit of a break before going back to school so I have some time to process.
0: Certainly, and so I mean, all these the next few games were some goals of yours. Could continue to develop after you know after being away for a while in terms of on the field and whatnot.
2: Being able to make those opportunities for myself and for my teammates for us to keep getting better every single day and keep winning these games.
0: What's kind of your role? I mean, obviously you're you're at a forward position, but what do you kind of see your role as in terms of your your chemistry with some of your fellow forwards?
2: Um, a lot of it is just movement in the circle, not being too crowded, not being on each other's toes, and just constantly communicating about where you're going.
0: Are you involved in the penalty corners and whatnot,
2: or...? Um, yeah, so I usually go to post on penalty corners, so you really have to be ready in that position. Yeah,
0: for those who don't know, explain what going to post means for penalty corner.
2: <laughs> so you run into one of the posts on the net, mm-hmm. and usually get a tip from there, and prevent it from going out of bounds.
0: There's a lot of chaos, it seems like, sometimes on penalty corners, right? Because there's a lot of – and the, the defensive team, they're they're extra focused, I suppose, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it gets pretty crowded in there, so you have to be constantly moves, moving, getting in front of your defender.
0: What's it been like, you know, going toe-to-toe with, like, you know, Middlebury earlier, you know, that one nothing game, and Bowdoin was so close, and you've gotten, obviously, some big wins. But you've shown the team can sh- – you can play with anyone, it seems like, and, and the results have shown, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it's really awesome to see – Um, Although it can be, like, frustrating at times Mm -hmm. losing those goals by—losing those games by one goal. But it really shows that we can really stay with those teams. We can beat the best teams in the country, and we can stick with them.
0: How well do you get to know these opposing teams, you know, throughout the years and everything in terms of who they have?
2: Yeah, you really get to know them because we study film on them. We know how they play. We know their players. We know who graduates. We know who to look for, Mm -hmm. which in a way is definitely good.
0: I know you have Williams coming up uh, not not your next game but soon right they they've they're they're having a pretty good year also what did you notice about them through the years
2: um they're definitely a physical team I would say we really have to be good with possessing the ball because they they'll get away with a lot of physical things so
0: anything coach Ryder or Kogut has been talking specifically about what she wants to see from the team down the stretch
2: We have a couple field turf games coming up instead Um, of AstroTurf, mm -hmm. so we're trying to stick to our passing game and not dribbling and being able to beat those opponents that practice on that field every day where we don't.
0: Yeah, right. Field turf, much slower, I understand.
2: Yeah, definitely much slower.
0: From your perspective, what changes things for you there?
2: Um, I have to be ready for the through balls up the Mm sideline rather than dribbling because the dribbling game doesn't work on field turf.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, any thoughts on the season so far and how satisfying it is to be back on the field?
2: It's amazing. We're having a great time. I'm loving it. Sounds good.
0: good. Allie Leahy, Female Bobcat of the Week, thanks so much.
2: Thank you. The volleyball team
0: sports an overall record of 11-6 and on the season after the Bobcats split a pair of matches last week, sweeping Hamilton 3-0 on Friday before losing a 3-2 heartbreaker to Williams on Saturday. Junior Delaney Mayfield had a monster game against the Eaves, tallying a career-high 14 kills. Talking some volleyball on the Bobcats with Delaney Mayfield of the Bobcats. And Delaney, a weekend where you swept Hamilton and had a five-set heartbreaker against Williams. There's been some five-set heartbreakers this year. What's the team's mentality like right now trying to finish off those, you know, really tight matches?
3: Yeah, we've been pretty frustrated because we haven't been able to finish a five-set match yet this year. And this weekend, I think, was the closest we got. So it was really great in the way that we had the hope and we're almost there. But I think... realize we have a lot we need to work on mostly mentally and just getting there and having that toughness.
0: You had personally a huge match against Williams what was clicking for you out there?
3: Honestly the setters and just timing like I was a right side the last two years and I used to play middle Back in high school and club, but it's been an adjustment so far. And so I feel like now that we're kind of in the middle of the season, and finally everything's really clicking together.
0: So you're at middle hitter this year, yes. along with like Angel Cheapway And how, how's that go in terms of rotating in and out and whatnot?
3: It's been great. The one bummer is we only have us two. Okay. And that's a really dangerous game to play in volleyball mm-hmm. because if one of us gets hurt, there's really not anyone else that can go in. So it's been a little bit of pressure in that aspect of staying healthy and both of us have a lot of past injuries, but it's been really fun to be back in the middle. So you mentioned
0: the adjustment it takes. What are some major adjustments specifically moving from opposite right side there to the middle spot?
3: Main thing is blocking. So middle blocker is in the name and you block a lot more and it's faster. So instead of just being right side where you're only blocking one hitter, middle you're blocking everyone. So reading the setter has been something I've had to readjust to and being able to read them quickly enough. That's been the biggest thing because when it comes to hitting, I've always preferred faster sets and quicker hits. So that part's been relatively easy. It's just the blocks.
0: You touched on the setters. You've got two really good ones, don't you, there, Julia and Emma? Yeah. What are they like out there on the court?
3: They're great. It's been awesome. It's impressive how Emma's just come out as a freshman, and you would not know the difference between a senior and a freshman. They both have the seriousness – And capability, and I trust them both 100%.
0: Terrific. And so going back to when you were growing up, when did you start playing volleyball? You mentioned obviously you were very active with it in high school, but even before that, I assume?
3: Yeah, I actually started in fifth grade. So volleyball was very big in California, and I did club until senior year of high school. And then we had volleyball also in middle school, so I've been playing it. Feels like my whole life, and also beach in the summers. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say like California. Yeah. I mean, I'm th- are you just playing outside all the time, or is it mostly in the gym still?
3: It's mainly in the gym, yeah. and I prefer indoor, uh-huh. but during the summers, there are always like different tournaments where you can do beach, and we always do it, but it's since it's two people, it's a very different style, mm-hmm. and having grown up as a middle hitter, that position doesn't really exist in beach, so I didn't always like it as much, but it's still really fun.
0: All right, so growing up in California, we've got a number of Californians on the Bates team. How did you decide to come out to uh, Lewiston, Maine for college?
3: I always wanted Seasons, because uh-huh. where I live, it's 75 and sunny, which... I can't complain, but I wanted to have something different. And for particularly to come to Bates, honestly, I just came here and loved it. Maine surprisingly reminds me a lot of California in that it's beautiful, outdoorsy, and everyone's relatively really nice, which is awesome. And Bates is just, a lot of it was the team. I was looking at other NESCAC schools, and they're all great, but the team at Bates stood out the most.
0: Uh, since you're a junior, did you like know like Taylor Stafford-Smith? She's from California growing yeah. up kind of and stuff? Or?
3: I didn't know her actually, but one of her best friends was one of my good friends growing up. Okay, Because <laughs> our moms went to high school and then Ruby, she knew people from my high school because I went to a boarding school. So once I got here, everyone always connects in some way.
0: Terrific. And so this season, obviously, you know, uh, you know, the, the 8-0 and start, really fast start, yeah. coming to an SCAC play. What's, what's the big difference adjustments a team has to make, you know, from, from those non-conference matches into, the, you know, the, the, the heart of conference play here?
3: I think it's just doing and playing our game. A lot of times when you focus on who's on the other side of the court, and our coaches talk about that specifically, we get in our heads, mm. and we know how to play, and we just need to play. And coming up this weekend, we have a tournament where it's non-NESCAC, right. which I think will be good because there's no pressure of getting those NESCAC wins for playoffs and just focusing on doing what we know how to do. And then when it comes to Tufts and Bowden, just putting all of our effort in because those would be huge wins.
0: Yeah, I know. The team's beaten Bowden before, but it was it happened to be a non-conference match, but you have beaten Bowden before, right? So you know you can do it.
3: Yeah, yeah. no, 100%. And yeah. This year is also a really good shot because all around in the conference people are winning and losing unexpectedly, mm-hmm. but I think we have a really good shot with Bowdoin. Tufts is, I believe, undefeated, so that would be hard, but it's totally possible. It's a great
0: measuring stick to see where you're at. Yeah, right? 100%. Yeah. Um, and then, so, what have you, I mean, you mentioned the, the position switch, but what, what other, how, how else have you seen your game kind of grow since you arrived here from high school um, in college over these past couple of seasons?
3: Honestly, I think, like, one of the main things is just knowing, learning the same teams. Like, in high school, even though you played the same teams, people, you didn't notice it as much. Whereas here, you notice, like, oh, she's now a junior. I remember how she hits. And learning how players play and adapting to that, because we now watch film and we'll see different things. And I think it's really important to understand, like, the players on the other side of the court, because once in a while, like, if they're going to tip, knowing and not letting them beat you a game, just tipping and adjusting to that.
0: Perfect. And then uh, as a junior, what are you studying here at Bates?
3: I'm a sociology major.
0: And what property do you want to major in sociology?
3: Honestly, I think one of the impacts was my sister. She did it. Mm -hmm. And I saw how much of a spectrum it gives you because I wasn't totally sure what I want to do. And sociology kind of opens up a lot of doors. And so that was one of the main reasons why I went to it. And then I love every professor I've had. So then that encouraged me yeah. to continue to do it.
0: Excellent. What are your thoughts on the season so far and what you're most looking forward to here down the stretch? We touched on some of the tough opponents coming up. Yeah.
3: I'm honestly most excited for our tough Spoden weekend mm-hmm. because I think that will be really telling because I think we have so much potential just whether we can execute. So I'm really excited to see how our team does specifically against Spoden because I believe that we have capability of beating them. And overall, I'm then most excited for the tournament. Mm -hmm. because that's where it all comes down to. Because Amherst, we could have beat mid. We could have beat Williams. We could have beat. And I want to see if we actually can beat them.
0: Lenny Mayfield, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Appreciate it.
3: Thank you. The
0: tennis teams both defeated NCAA Division II opponent Franklin Pierce on Sunday, with the women winning eight to one and the men winning seven to two. On the men's side, senior Jacob Eisenberg won at number three doubles and number four singles. And his singles match proved to be quite the battle. He fell in a tiebreaker in the first set, then won a tiebreaker in the second set. In the third set, Eisenberg won ten to eight in a match that took four and a half hours. Talking some men's tennis on the Bobcast with Jacob Eisenberg, and Jacob as a senior. What's it like seeing the influx of talent coming in, giving this team so much depth, it seems like, so far this fall?
4: Yeah, it's definitely very exciting. Um, I think going in, we didn't really know what to expect with these freshmen, and they, they seem to really care a lot and be very talented. And um, it's something that we're really excited about, and it's something that's, you know, they're pushing themselves, but they're also making us push even harder. So, um, yeah, for us, we're really excited, and I think it's going to be a really good season.
0: So people don't see is like, you know, in practice, you have to go up against these guys, right, you know, you know to, to fight for seeding, right? Basically. Right. Yeah. No,
4: yeah, no, exactly. And that's, that's always the hardest part when you're the older one and you're playing against people, these young players who have nothing to lose and are really talented as well. It definitely puts a little more pressure on you and makes it tougher.
0: So Division Two opponent Franklin Pierce, team got the win, only dual match of the fall, and you had a very long match. Take us through that battle and some tiebreakers and whatnot.
4: Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it was definitely a long one. Um, I think one thing that was really important for me was maintaining my composure. My opponent really liked to play consistently and and wanted to have those long rallies, and it's something that I like to do myself. Uh So for me, it was just kind of staying mentally strong the whole time and, and ultimately just making one more ball at the end. And it's a sort of
0: battle of wills in terms of who's going to make the first mistake?
4: Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Kind of waiting and finding the right time to be aggressive and not going for too much and feeling like you need to be impatient.
0: Were you guys outdoors this weekend? We were outdoors. You, yeah, what's it like playing outdoors? It's a beautiful facility, and yeah. I know obviously elements can come into play sometimes. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a lot of fun. We don't get the opportunity to do it that much right. given uh, that we're in Maine, but um, for us it was a really cool environment having the girls playing on the other side and then us kind of in a row and, and having my teammates cheer me on and cheer everyone else on. It is a, It was a really fun atmosphere. So as
0: a senior, how have you seen your game grow since you first stepped on campus?
4: I think that I, I think mainly the most important thing is that I've become a lot uh, stronger mentally mm-hmm. and I've kind of, learn to be smart on the court and strategy and that's something that uh, coach gaston guys really taught me Um, and also just playing for my opponent for my uh, my teammates and that's something you know it's when you're growing up it's more individual but this is a team and it's something that it's my favorite part of it and when people are cheering you on and you're cheering them on it's it's what creates a really strong cohesive unit and um, it's my favorite part of college tennis, for sure.
0: I know last year, um, Coach talked about how there were a lot of injuries on the team, so guys had to step up. You are the one, the ones who had to try to step up. What was that experience like, yeah. filling maybe a higher spot on it than you might have been ready for necessarily, perhaps?
4: Yeah, it was definitely, uh, it was definitely very difficult, something yeah. I might not have been totally prepared for, but mm-hmm. I think that I, at times, definitely rose to the occasion, and I, um, I worked really hard to try to fill in that spot, and obviously it was difficult, but I think we tried to make the most of it overall. And
0: so, and it's, uh, now you're ready for anything, right? As a senior.
4: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> to play. Yeah, no, no. There's definitely uh, a lot to play for this year, and again, I'm really excited for it. I think we're going to be really strong.
0: Take us back to when you were looking for colleges in high school. What stood out to about Bates to you?
4: The one thing that stood out a lot to me was the way that players developed uh, on, on the tennis team here. Um, I noticed that they may not have been getting the best players, although many were good, but but there were some who who got a lot better as, right. as the years went on. Obviously, Ben Rosen's a great example. And so I kind of looked at that, and I wanted to, I wanted to try to be mm-hmm. just like him and, mm-hmm. and be similar in that sense. And um, So that's something that really stuck out to me. Obviously, academics mm-hmm. is really important as well, and I guess the combination of a really good academic school and a, and a good and growing tennis team is what really excited me.
0: You're ITA, scholar-athlete, NETSCAC, all-academic. What are you studying here at
4: Bates? I'm studying economics and minoring in philosophy. And so what put you on that path, per se? To be honest... Economics, it, I thought it was a really good challenge. I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, and philosophy stuck out to me. I, I just found it really interesting. It was something that growing up I would learned nothing about and I didn't know anything and I took one class and I found it quite intriguing so I want to keep doing it.
0: Now, of course the classic trying to balance the academics and the athletics. How, what's your approach to it?
4: Yeah, um, one thing that I really uh, I think I've gotten a lot better at is time management and I know it's it's very difficult, but for me, I, I just put in you know 100% effort on the court and, and in, the, in the books. So um, for me, it's just giving my full effort, really.
0: Great. Well, any other thoughts on the match this past weekend and how it gives you some momentum into the winter months where you're not you know, necessarily in season here?
4: Yeah, I, I think we played a team that we knew nothing about, and we didn't know whether they were going to be good or not. And I think they were a lot better than we anticipated. So I think it shows that a lot of us, are pr- very strong mentally and, and know how to rise to the occasion. So that's 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 really what excites me the most. That that strong mentality and attitude. All right, Jacob
0: Eisenberg. Thanks so much.
4: All right, thank you so much. Appreciate it. The Bates
0: women's rowing team competes to win its third straight collegiate eights race at the 55th annual Head of the Charles Regatta this Sunday. Meanwhile, the men's team looks to improve on its 22nd place showing from last season. Head coach Peter Steenstra previews the action.
5: The depth of the team is a big piece of the puzzle because mm-hmm. we, no matter what, we've had someone, we usually have key people abroad. Right. So when we can have two or three worth of people that are still producing top ten or in last year's case a first and an 11th place place finish knowing that we're we're going into the third varsity eight to to fill some of those seats um, that's obviously a good sign that the depth of the team is very good and very competitive and so when it comes to making that first eight um, you know we can usually make that boat pretty quickly and they've had a couple of good runs down the course which is key and obviously the coxswain's a big piece of that puzzle so once the coxswain is is able to to find a good line and and just get down the course as simply as possible in the most boring fashion (laughs) possible then usually the result is pretty good
0: yeah and for those who don't know for this type of race there are some turns that need to be made unlike in the 2k races so from a coxswain's perspective you know Sation has a lot of experience Mm -hmm. with this program so Waluski though a first year tell us about her and her coming in to coxswain the 2v for
5: the women yeah, she, she's coming with in with some experience, both as a rower, as mm-hmm. well as a little bit of a coxswain. But um, I think it's safe to say that the biggest part of this job as a coxswain is the mush between the ears. Yeah. And there's no question that Bella is a very intelligent person, very smart. She knows how to read her athletes well. Um, she steers just as well as anybody else for that matter. But it it's being able to anticipate what is going to happen 500 meters away. Or being able to have eyes at the back of your head and see what's coming up behind you if there is something back there and making sure that you're planning ahead of time and putting your, your boat in the right spot to make sure that you've given your crew the best advantage possible.
0: The race pace must be just totally different, though, from what they normally do, right? Yeah. I mean, or no. Well, yeah.
5: it used to be that way. Uh, uh, you know, race pace in the spring is somewhere in the mid-30s. Um, and we've been racing right around thirty four, thirty five, for the spring racing. But mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, for <laughs> anyone who's racing these days, if you're gonna, you're if you want to do well at the Charles, you better be essentially doing a sprinting pace mm. for three and a half miles.
0: Okay, so there's 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 no conserving any energy.
5: There's absolutely none of that. Yeah. No, I mean <laughs> our guys are going into this planning. Fully on being 33, 34, you know, having an extra gear in case they need to get through somebody in a short period of time. And, uh, you know, the women are are planning on doing this at about a 33, 34, same thing. And that's that's essentially our sprinting pace. So that's the way they're looking at it. So that's why the training really doesn't change that much, at least from your perspective. All of our training is meant for the spring anyway. Right. This is just a a break from the fall training, right, is really how all these head races even came about.
0: The rowers must embrace this, though, because there's huge crowds, I know, and it's
5: pretty fun out there. It's a big crowd. It's, yeah. it's a huge event. We're going to have really great weather this weekend, which makes it you know, that much more pleasant to go mm-hmm. and watch and be a part of. And There's tents and whatnot along both sides, lots of free junk available if people, <laughs> people want to go to the vendor yeah. tents and find some things. But it, it's, it's the festival of rowing. It, it marks the end of the year. For for our sport.
0: How's the men's team shaping up this year? Because last year, don't want to ever say a rebuilding, but you had a lot of people graduate from the previous year, right?
5: I would not call it a rebuilding. And I don't know what else to call it, except Uh. for the fact that, uh, you know, Mitch brought in a huge class Mm -hmm. and it's a very competitive group of guys. Uh, They come to us with a wide array of skills and sizes and abilities, but they've been instrumental in in the boats um, quite a bit uh, as it is. Uh, We've got one first year who's in the in the varsity eight. Um, Tim uh, goes by Brennan, but it's Timothy Bates, and mm. he's just a, a great big strong guy, and he he does really well, and has made some improvements. Um, but then we had to figure out a four on the men's side uh-huh. as kind of a second priority, which is tough to do when you've got uh, two or three actual boats that we can train in and practice in and make comparisons in. Right. But we also have over three-eighths worth of guys to get into that boat. Mm-hmm. And there's very level playing field and skill level that's, that's in, that's made up makes up the whole group. So, I mean, the guys started to dub this fall as uh, fours wars. Okay. Because right. Mitch and I were, were really going back and forth with a lot of different people in the boats and different combinations and um, using weekly ERG pieces that they're doing to kind of support, give us some supporting evidence but then getting him into fours and various combinations and just try to, to see what comes out on mm-hmm. top, trying to figure out something that can sort of consistently perform as the top four guys. And it was harder than than we anticipated. So the rowers did a really good job making our job hard, which is what they should be doing. Um, and we had guys who came in and, and were very different rowers three weeks in than when they first arrived, and some of the upperclassmen who came in, with one set of anticipa- or set of hopes, I would say, for, the, for that Charles boat, had to realign themselves and, and figure out that this is a much more competitive group than they were expecting. So for the men, you have a, an 8 and a 4, whereas women, you have two eights and a 4. The way that things work with the Charles, you, uh, you kind of apply to get in. Because you have to finish top half of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and neither of the two entries finished in the top half gotcha. last year so we're quite happy to have even the eight and sure. the four that we do have um, but uh, that would explain why because
0: last year Aiden had to step in at the last minute right as a coxswain for the 1v yeah he jumped yeah. right in there yeah
5: he he jumped in head first there's no doubt about that right and, and it wasn't an easy run down the course yeah. and uh, there was a lot of activity around him so he had to do uh, there's no way for us to simulate it at home, mm-hmm. so you can say that he had a, a, a rough experience, but he is now very, very battle tested. Right. So he's he's ready to to make this second run now.
0: Any difference coxing a four versus an eight for him because he's he was an eight last year.
5: Well, it's a big difference because yeah. you you sit in the front sure. instead of the back. So right. <laughs> you have Different a much better you have a better view of what's coming up ahead uh-huh. of you, but you have no idea what's coming up behind you. <laughs> so he's gonna have to communicate with the bow seat uh, who sits right you know behind him so uh he can the bow seat will let him know if someone's coming up or whatever it might be but uh, for the most part he has a nice he's it's like sitting in an indie car he's lying down mm-hmm. he's maybe eight inches off the water surface and he can just sort of put the bow ball right where he wants it to be and hopefully he's only looking at past people instead of worried about what's behind him
0: yeah, you mentioned the big first-year classes coming in. I mean, just looking at the roster for both these teams, women and men, are these the biggest rosters you've had yet? It seems like from my perspective. It,
5: it yeah, it <laughs> is. Yeah, I mean, we're we're over 5 deep on the women's side, and yeah. we're over 4 deep on the men's side, and we've yeah. we've never had 4 on the men's side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's pretty safe to say this is the biggest roster that we've ever had. It's 87 total if you include the people that are abroad.
0: Is that a coaching staff, or is that a little more
5: uh, challenging for us? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're spread thin. There's, oh. there's no doubt about it. But yeah. but uh, it's part of what the recruited athlete buys into here. Mm-hmm. They know that even on the best day, they only get half of half of me, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm split between the two teams. And luckily, Mitch and and Haley are at this point, you know, experienced coaches, and they can handle a larger group on the water. Some some young coaches or people who are new to coaching really should only have one boat that they have to oversee but we have you know both Mitch and Haley can handle three eights or more you know whatever they need to deal with
0: and then I saw right when I came in I saw you doing some film study with one of your men's rowers and so how does that work do you you typically tell them hey you need to come and look over this with me or do they come to you
5: (laughs) I think they've learned that I'm not going to chase them around okay yeah if they if they want to come in and get some video we've got the Mm -hmm. tv going and we've got the ipads and yeah Mitch and Haley have done a lot of the video review as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're in one of the top two boats, it's probably best to come see me. Yeah. And so after they had the of Charles, which is this Sunday,
0: uh, how does fall training progress after that? I mean, at some point, you can't be on the
5: river anymore, I imagine. Unfortunately, yeah. we're, we're done. So October That's it. 26th. Well, it's yeah. the CBB after the Charles. Sure. So we have our scrimmage yeah. that we do with right. Colby and Bowden. So we have that week after the Charles and then, then we're done. We're not allowed to practice anymore. Mm-hmm. The boats get winterized and the outboard engines get winterized yeah. and the hardest part about it is November tends to be beautiful weather and the river's flat and calm and gorgeous and we can't row. So mm-hmm. the the team goes into their training their off-season training phase and they either they're training to be a good athlete come March or they're not. It's yeah. totally up to them
0: and then the women I mean going for a three peat here that's got to be pretty rare at the Charles cause that seems like yeah. a, it's been different champions at different points
5: um well we we would be the first ones to do it in our event the collegiate, in the Eight. collegiate yeah okay I haven't yeah. done i I'm haven't done enough research to There's look some around other events. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know that uh, the Virginia men. Have won the four at least three times in a row, maybe mm. four times. But other than that, I, I I don't know of other records like that. Certainly. Well, yeah. coach, any thoughts on the upcoming weekend? Uh, it's looking to be nice. It's going to be good weather, and uh, I don't know. I I I like to sit on my typical spot. I'm not going to tell you where that is because I don't I don't want anyone to find <laughs> I don't me. Track <laughs> <pat> you down. <laughs> <Yeah>. But uh, <laughs> I I look forward to watching my crews come through, and and hopefully the. Uh, they're they're slightly ahead of whatever bound number was before them, and um, you know I, I look forward to watching that the women's 1v come through and be totally alone for an entire 5,000 meter piece.
0: It's time for the fifth quarter on the Bates Bobcast with head football coach Malik Hall. The Bobcats fell to three-time defending NESCAC champion Trinity last Saturday by a score of 51 to nothing. Coach Hall looks back on that game and looks ahead to this Saturday's contest at Williams. Coach, looking at the box score from Saturday's game against Trinity, seems like the defense had a tough time getting off the field on third down. It seems like third down, the Trinity defense was able to stop you guys, and meanwhile the Trinity offense was able to convert. Did you see that as one of the bigger keys in that game?
6: Yeah, I, I, you got a Trinity team that's pretty loaded. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our deal was to try to make them drive the field and not give up one hit or home runs. Yeah. Um, and hopefully that we could get them into some third downs manageable, and um, get off the field. Um, I think they went 10 for 16, third downs, and that's that's way, way above the average we're looking for. Um, but at the same point, you know, we ought to continue to get better. Third down has been our nemesis this mm-hmm. season um, on top of the big play. And so, unfortunately, we didn't do either this weekend where – We stopped the big play, per se, um, by making them put six, seven, eight play drives together. Um, But we weren't able to take the ball when presented with that opportunity. Um, I know we ended up with two turnovers. um, But turnovers are so relative when we're stifled on offense right now. Mm -hmm. You know, looking at third down from our standpoint, wasn't great and from our offensive standpoint wasn't great and if you look at the game plan we had the same amount of first downs we converted three right so you know even the time possession was close but we just didn't move the ball um, so when you're playing a game of time possession and ball and ball security, the thought is that you'll either have the ball last or stop them from scoring to win the game last or to stop the score, have the offense get it and go down and win. Um, we just wasn't in that position that the game, when the game went 10-0, ten ten mm. um, I thought we were in a pretty solid position. We made them kick a field goal. You know, we, we did give up a touchdown in that in that, in those series, in those first three series, But making Trinity kick a field goal I thought was huge. And that was the drive our offense had to respond, go down, get some points. If nothing else, change the field position. Um, Not having Tyler Bridge Mm -hmm. affected our punting, which also helps change the field position. Um, So I I think we're a tale of a healthy team and a tale of a beat-up team. Um, When we're healthy, I think you see a different product when we're not. You know we're we're really trying to stop the bleeding, unfortunately, and so combining with our debt being an issue and our health being an issue, and you got a trinity coming in who seems to have debt after debt after uh, debt. Yeah. Um, it's certainly it's certainly a tall order, um, and I think it's an order that we can take on if have the right mindset, in um, the the right the right tools to play from an offensive, de- defensive, special team standpoint. You don't have a punter, you makeshift a punter. Yeah. Whenever you make shift in something, mm, cross your fingers. Yeah. Um, And so in that space, you know, that's the tell of the game, you know. I know part of it was because
0: um, Trinity was ahead early, but it seems like there wasn't much room to run the football. I know you try a
6: different – you try everyone you had, basically, right? That's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, more importantly, if you add into, you know, the package that we had some success with, milking the clock, getting four yards in a cloud of dust, yeah. you know, um, playing against a, a, a battle-tested Trinity team. I uh, was prepared, um, and that preparation that they had threw us from running the ball as effective as we would like. Um, and then, you know, when Costa comes in, we want to generate some pass, but, you know, it, it just becomes difficult when you're when you're immediately down 17-0 in the first quarter um, and you only made them punt once. You know, our drives offensively was 1-2-3, 1-2-3. We had a four-play drive <laughs> because of a timeout. Wow. Um, but multiple... Ultimately, if we do not move the ball, it's harder on the defense. And if we can't stop people from just getting a quick play, it's even harder for our offense to put the kind of game that we need to play if we go down, which is to try to match them score for score until the defense can stop them. Um, And right now that's just not our MO or our personality. You know, even wanting to be spread, you know spread can turn into a bad situation if you don't have enough receivers or if you can't protect the queue or if you only got one queue mm. And so you know we're in a very we're in a very uh, peculiar spot where we're trying to protect the team and and not get guys beat up unnecessarily, but at the same time competing to win right. and game planning to win. And so when you say, okay, I'm, how often do I want Kosta to pass the ball? I would love to tell you 40. Right. But if I throw the ball 40 times with them, will we get through the game? Will we create more turnovers? Mm. Right now we've we struggled protecting the quarterback. Um, and, you know, we don't have the luxury to say, okay, if something happens to our number one guy, that we have a number two. Mm. And right now we still have a freshman who's out. And so we're really playing a full football game and game planning with a lot of empty spaces. Mm -hmm. And so that's the biggest challenge when you're playing against a Trinity team that seems to have a guy in every spot. And so even if you try to attack the weak link, you know, how long can you go at him before he makes a play? Mm -hmm. And so it, it... This week was challenging, um, but more importantly, it it has to be a lesson behind this loss for our guys because our major class won't be sophomores and freshmen forever. Right. You know, yeah, we only have eight seniors. We'll have about 12 juniors that have become seniors. But, again, the bulk of our team are young guys. And so for those juniors and those sophomores and the freshmen who have played – you gotta pull something away to get better off of this,
0: so what are some points of emphasis in practice this week preparing for I believe a
6: Williams next week? uh you got a really good Williams team, you know um you know what makes Williams challenging is they're they're not as dynamic as a Trinity per se mm. but they're a well rounded group. I think they play with a different edge than Trinity may um Number three has like 12 touchdowns right now in the air, which does not match up well for where our weak spot has been or our blind spot. Um, So the defensive guys have their work cut out for them. Um, But as you flip it to the other side of the ball, they're only giving up 10 points a game. We're averaging probably a little bit over eight, give or take. Um, And so the point is to try to get them past their average um, and keep them under their average. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but we do have our work cut out for us. They're a physical team on the front on the front five. Mm-hmm. Um, they have about three tailbacks who are all pretty dynamic. Um, and again, you got a quarterback who seems to never get rattled. Um, he's a, he's a general on the field. You know, even when he makes his decisions to run. He hasn't taken a big hit because before they can get to him, he's sliding. The yardage is not as important as his health. Um, and if you're a defensive guy, he's running around, and once you get him lined up, he slides. There's Their frustration can sit in right. on that. And so our job, once again, is to continue to stay poised regardless of what they do, um, continue to put forth a fighting effort to get the game in the fourth quarter, um, and find out if we can win a game. I mean, ultimately, listen, you know, f- the game has four quarters. As we call this, the fifth quarter right. um, it's all in reflection of what we could have done different. And in some cases, it's m- not anything different, but more just better execution. Mm-hmm. And so, as we look at this game, it, you know, with the score being so one-sided, it's hard to – find some takeaways to build on. Um, and then it's also hard to evaluate a Trinity performance to the who you have to play next. Right, yeah. Um, because they're so night and day different mm-hmm. in terms of personnel. Um, but that's our job, and that's kind of what makes football great, that the more you soak on one, you can't get plan for another. And so for coaches it's easier because – you got a game plan, yeah. And so, getting out of your own way for what didn't work a week ago is challenging, but you have to prepare something for your guys. As a player, it's a little more difficult because you sit on it Sunday, sit yeah. on it Monday, and Tuesday when you're back on the field, you're probably still thinking about it. And that speaks to the mental state of our team. I think they, I think they're, I would hope that they're over it at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, This won't be the first or the last time we can't let Trinity beat us twice um, and deal with our opponent as is, not what happened last week. Although I believe every team's job is to take something of what worked against you and then run it again. Right, right. And so some of those things we just got to be better at and know that people are going to do it until we stop it. All right, Coach Hall, thank you so much. No problem, man. It's a great day to be a bobcat. The cross-country teams showed
0: off their depth by finishing first at the St. Joseph's Invitational on Saturday, despite resting their top seven runners. Both the women and the men head to Oberlin College this Saturday for a big interregional rumble. We'll recap that out-of-region contest, plus big games at Williams for the soccer, field hockey, and football programs next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my building, my building. right.